this past week, I had uh, the, the opportunity to go watch a, a baseball game down in Atlanta and go Braves. Any Braves fans in here? Go Braves. I appreciate you wearing your pearls. I might be like one of the only people in here that get that, but I appreciate you wearing pearls. Um, but, uh, man, on the, on the way back, on the way back from the, the game, so we left Atlanta about 1 a.m. Uh, Saturday morning, and, and we drove through the night, and I got back about 5 a.m., and I told Zach Brock this yesterday. Um, I have never, I don't really do energy drinks, and I had never had a rain before. Anybody know what rain is? Yeah, like everybody's hands went, like I had one of those for the first time. And boy, like my hands were on the steering wheel, my eyes were wide open, and the person that was with me, his name's Charles, um, he couldn't go to sleep because I was just talking the whole time. So, but, but that's the way, man, that's the way that I felt in, in worship this morning. Like I just felt energized. I felt like we were, we were getting after it. Let me kind of catch you guys up uh, to the past couple of weeks if you've missed a week or you, you haven't been able to kind of hear what's going on and what Multiplied Church has, has been a part of. Uh, about two weeks ago, I had the opportunity to, to represent Multiplied Church down in Nicaragua, uh, working with Get Strong Ministries. And I know many of you heard those stories, but we saw individuals saved. We saw individuals baptized. We saw individuals commit their life to Jesus and recommit their marriages to Jesus. And, and it was all through CrossFit. It was all through fitness. And we have the opportunity to go back down in, in February. So if you're interested in that experience or that trip, there's my shameless plug for that. Uh, but, but we saw lives changed. This past week, I had the, the opportunity to sit with 22 new church planners. Like that's so, okay. That's something you get excited about. Like, I'm going to teach y'all this morning, all right? That's something that you can, hey, in church, it's okay to make noise sometimes, basic level, all right? Kindergarten. In church, it's okay to clap, it's okay to make noise. When there's something that I say that should excite you, make noise. That, that would be like you talking to your kid and they not giving you a response back. And you're like, are, like can, you, can you talk? So I got to sit with 22 new church planners this past week. <laughs> we're getting there. That's what I'm talking about. Bring the energy. Somebody drink some rain before they come in here in the morning. But, but at my table, I had three, had three uh, couples at my table. Take, take a look at the screen. These are, are the couples. And, and in that picture, West Asheville is represented. In that picture, Philadelphia is represented. In that picture, China is, is represented. And what I know is this, is that this church gets to pour into other church planters. It's exciting to see the kingdom of God grow every time I sit with our CMN launch teams. Man, it's something that inspires me. It's something that encourages me. It's something that when I come back, I feel like, no, we'll always have this church plant mentality. Even though we're four years old, we'll always have this, this church plant mentality and we'll always be church planters. Let me ask this question. What if there was someone in here that felt called to plant a church? Why not? Maybe, maybe someone in this room, you felt like you were supposed to be in ministry. Maybe someone in this room 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, you felt like there was a call of God on your life to step into ministry. And for some reason, you never did it. For some reason, you took another path. This isn't my sermon at all, but, but maybe there's someone in the room. Maybe there's someone in the room that's going to plant in another community to bring the gospel message of love, grace, and forgiveness of Jesus. Man, if, if that's you, uh, would you please come see me um, after service or in the next couple of, of weeks? We, we kind of kicked off our series last week called Faith Over Fear. 
Faith over fear. We're going to step into week two. And if I had to title week two something, I would title it this. Living in freedom from the wheat and the wine press mindset. If you remember last week, we were in Judges chapter 6, and let me kind of catch us up if you weren't here. The people of God are living under the oppression of the Midianites. And we found out through scripture that the Israelites are hiding in caves like some punks. Like they're, they're just hiding out in caves. Like, like e- even, though, even though they knew God was on their side, even though they had seen God work in their life before, they had this posture of fear. They were living in caves, and in their mental capacity, they were living in fear. But we also discovered that the Midianite spirit represented a culture of fear, a culture of oppression. But what we said last week as a church was that we're calling this fear out. What We're calling this oppression out. We were never meant to live in caves. What we learn through Scripture is that God's people are our promised land people. We were meant to live in the promised land, not meant to live in caves. God didn't take Israel out of Egypt just to put them in captivity of their own fear. See, sometimes in your life, we we feel like we have this relationship with God, and God has brought us through so much, but we end up living in this cycle of fear. If y'all can't tell, I'm a little excited this morning. If y'all can't tell, this this sermon, this this series, today's going to be some high energy kind of feels, and, and, and here we go. God didn't deliver you from your past so that you could be fearful for your future. See, see, some of us, we've been delivered from the past. We've been delivered from the pain. We've been delivered from the failure. We've been delivered from the mistakes. And we know that God has forgiven us. But for some reason, for some reason, we're fearful for the future. We're fearful for what could be. We're fearful for the direction that we're going. God, are you sure that you picked the right person? God, are you sure that you can use me? So let's pick up in Judges chapter 6, starting in verse 11. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree of Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, in the clan clan of Abizar. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of the winepress to hide the grain from the Midianites. I, I I hope that as we read scripture You can find yourself in the story. I hope that as we read scripture, this stuff will kind of come alive to you. So what's going on in this moment? Gideon comes out of the cave. Gideon was in the cave. He comes out of the cave, but now he's in the bottom of a wine press hiding from the Midianites. He's hiding because he doesn't want what he has to be taken from him. So then we pick up in verse 12. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty warrior. The Lord is with you. Mighty warrior. Y'all don't see the irony in that? (laughs) Like the dude was just in a cave. You don't see the irony in that? He stepped out of the cave and now he's in the bottom of a wine press hiding from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord approaches him and says, mighty warrior. We like to give Gideon a hard time. In fact, when I read this story, I'm like, Gideon, like get it together, man. Like, like don't, don't you know that God is on your side? Why are you in the bottom of a wine press? But the more I read this story, the more I realized something. At least he's not in the cave. Remember back to last week, the rest of the Israelites, where are they? They're hiding in the cave. At least, at least Gideon isn't in the cave. Man, as a culture, can we stop getting down on people and putting down people who are at least trying I feel like we have the tendency to do that in the church sometimes. 
Could you imagine all my gym people in here? Could you imagine if someone was new to the gym? Could you imagine if someone walked in our gym and, and we started putting them down? Like, oh, they can't, they can't lift the weight that I can. Man, they, they can't do the movements that I can. They, they can't beat me in a workout, and it's their first time ever coming to the gym. Like, if you come to our gym, you'll probably get slapped around if you start making fun of people. Because we want to encourage people. We want, we want them to be better versions of themselves. But the reality of it is, we do this when people start trusting Jesus and giving their life over to their fears. We're like, no, 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 that person used to be addicted to cocaine. No, no, that person used to have other addictions. That person can never commit to anything in their life because, because they've never been faithful to anything. So why would we believe they could commit to Jesus? We look at someone who starts following Jesus for the first time and, and we have thoughts like, well, they've followed every other religion in the book, so this probably won't last either. Opposed to giving them the benefit of the doubt. Opposed to saying, well, at least they're not in the cave. God sees that you're further along than you were before. If you've ever been in the cave, talked about this last week, we know that fear can cause you to lose motivation. Fear can cause your mood to be affected. Last week we talked about this, that fear can cause you to be brought very low. It's what scripture says about the Israelites. And then as we talked about this cycle, what we saw was when we live in the cave, when we live in fear, it's a cycle of fear, anxiety, and depression. Fear, anxiety, and depression. But Gideon, but Gideon, at least he's out of the cave. But, but Gideon, at least he's trying. But, but, but Gideon, at least he took one step. It might just be one step, but it's a step. I don't know if you realize this or not, but it takes courage to just take one step. See, one step is hard. One step is vulnerable. One step feels risky. In in fact, one step puts you out in the open. See, see, I can get comfortable in the cave. The Israelites got comfortable in the cave, but at least Gideon took one step. Step. Maybe, maybe today you've just taken one step, but can I remind you that it's at least a step, that one step is the difference between faith and fear. One step can be all the difference. One step is the difference between who you were and who you are now. One step is the difference between your past and your future. One step can truly be the difference between faith or fear. One step. Step. Maybe you're not where you want to be today, but at least you're not in the cave. Maybe you're not where you want to be today, but at least you're not where you used to be. And in that moment, God looks at Gideon and he says, mighty warrior. Mighty warrior. See, God sees things in you that you don't even see in yourself. God, this is what I love about this story. God didn't wait until Gideon was a mighty warrior to call him a mighty warrior. God didn't wait until Gideon had arrived before he called him mighty warrior. I remember being told that I would be a good preacher in high school. And I say preacher because I grew up in the South, and that's what you called people. You didn't call them pastors. You called them preachers. 
I'm from South Carolina, and I, and I, remember, I remember going to church. And, and many of you know my story. If you don't, like, listen, I didn't grow up in a church, all right? I, I didn't grow up going to church. I didn't go, go, grow up reading the Bible. So when people said, Zach, you would be a good preacher, I'm thinking, like, you know, you know my dad sells cocaine, right? <laughs> like, like, I, when they told me I'd be a good preacher, I was like, you know, you know I don't know this, how to read this thing called the Bible, you just talked about some dude being swallowed by a fish, and I have no idea what you're talking about. Like, like I didn't, I didn't grow up in the church. So, so good preacher yet, like, yeah, right, mighty warrior Zach yet, like, there's no chance. But some of y'all, including myself, need to hear and believe the words "mighty warrior." Chaz, what would it, what would it look like? in your household, if you believe that God was calling you mighty warrior. Rich, what does it mean for your family when God looks at you and calls you mighty warrior? Gabe, you're in high school. But, but what would it look like if you believe the words that God is calling you mighty warrior? See, I think the problem is we have this tendency to think, well, God can't be talking to me. Justin, God, God, can't, God can't be calling me mighty warrior. Do, doesn't, he, doesn't, he know, doesn't he know my past? Doesn't he know what he's working with? Mighty warrior, yeah, right. Armor bearer, may, maybe. Mighty warrior, no chance. Brian, how would it change your life if you believed that God was calling you mighty warrior? Babe, what, what, would, what would it look like if you believed that God was calling you mighty warrior? warrior. How, how would it change my life? How would it change your life? How would it change Piper and Harlow's life? W what would happen to our community if we truly believed that God was calling us mighty warrior? W what would it actually look like? There wouldn't be an empty chair in here. And that's not saying, look at us filling a building. No, 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 no. That's just saying, I believe, the God of, uh, I believe the call of God that is on every single person's life in this room. We don't take it lightly. We don't just come to church to check the box. We don't just come to church to feel good. We don't just come to church to meet people. We come to church because we believe in expanding the kingdom of God. We believe in the love and the grace and the forgiveness that Jesus represented on the cross. And when he calls you mighty warrior, what he's saying is get out from where you are and go tell everyone that you know. Mighty warrior. So let me pick up verse 13. Sir, Gideon replied. If the Lord is with us, this would be my response, sir, if the, if the Lord is with us, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? Sir, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles that our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites? See, we have the tendency to feel like Gideon. We've, we've all been there. I don't care what your title is. I don't care how long you've been serving in the church. I don't care how long you've had a relationship with Jesus. Get real with yourself for just a second. We've all been there. If God is with us, then why is this happening to us? If God is truly with me, then why am I going through this? If God is truly with me, then why did my dad die three years ago? If God is truly with me, then why do we have a miscarriage? If God is truly with me, then why is my family not coming to know the Lord? If God is truly with me, and we have these conversations back and forth, 
in our own minds. Where's the miracle? Or like Gideon, I've, I've, heard all, I've heard all the stories. I've heard all the stories. But I feel abandoned by God. He, he can't be a good God just look at my situation. He can't be a real God look at what I'm going through. You have to keep reading. You have to get to verse number 14. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go, oh, <laughs> go with the strength you have. And rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. Go with the strength that you have. Take whatever you have to start. What I know is this, is that God works with with small first steps. And God will meet you with the strength that you have. Pastor, you don't know what I've been through. Pastor, I'm at the end of my rope. You're still hanging on to the rope. Pastor, I don't have much left. You still got some left. God says, go with the strength that you had. It wasn't much. Because the strength that Gideon had was actually just being curled up in the bottom of a wine press hiding. That, that was the strength that, that Gideon had. I, I, remember, I remember being called into ministry at a young age in 2007. And, and I remember getting the phone call from Pastor Doug when he, when he asked Jenna and, and myself if we'd be interested in planning the church. But let, let me just tell you the, the realness of the story. Let me tell you where, where I was as an individual. I don't know that I've ever said all of this out loud. I've given like some highlights, but let me give you the timeline of what we were going through. I was at Southeastern University, and, and the reality of it is because I was hurt over a hiring decision, because I was hurt over a job that I was promised and didn't get, I left. I ran. And I ended up I ended up in Georgia. And I ended up working for a school there and and the individual that hired me was a good friend of mine. He was the VP. I was the executive director and about 8 months after being there, we were pulled into the president's office. We had grown the, the student body by about 600 students, and we thought we were doing great. And they sat us down. And they said, "Hey, we love the growth. We just don't like how you were doing it. You need to change." And how we were doing it was we were adding sports and we were adding more academic programs and they didn't want to put the money behind the growth. Hey, we like what you're doing, but you have to change. So my buddy and I get back to the office and, and man, we're like the wind's knocked out of our sails. We're like, did you see how much money we just brought to the school? Like this past year, we were the fastest growing Christian college in America and now you're telling us we're doing it wrong? So we sit down, and a couple days go by. I remember coming home and, and talking to Jenna. Go back into the office, and, and my buddy says, hey, um, I, know, I know we're facing some challenges. And, man, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I brought you here um, all the way up from Florida, and I'm sorry that, I, that I'm doing this now, uh, but I think I'm going to take a job back down in Florida. I'm like, oh, boy. <laughs> And for the next month, I walked around with my notice in my back pocket because I didn't know when the right time to give it to someone was. I, I felt like I failed. I, I felt like I was all by myself. And then I remember walking into the office and, and giving my two weeks notice. And, and my wife knew that I had the letter. She just didn't know when I was going to give it. Not smart. Like, you should probably let your wife know when you're going to give your two weeks notice. And, and so I called her. I'm like, babe, I just quit. <laughs> well, what are we, we going to do? I, I don't know. 
So we decided to move to Charlotte, except we didn't have a place to stay. So we ended up in, in Jenna's grandmother's basement. If I'm honest with you, that was my cave. If I'm honest with you, I felt like I felt like I had squandered my call on the, of ministry on my life. If I'm honest with you, I felt like I had failed. If I'm honest with you, I felt like I failed my wife. I felt like I failed my family. I felt like I failed my legacy. I felt like I was just stuck in a cave. I remember the first job that I got uh, out of the basement, um, and it was down in Ballantyne. I was driving from Hickory to Ballantyne one way. It was an hour and a half commute. I had to leave I had to leave the house at 3:30 in the morning to make sure I would get there by 5 because I dealt with some international accounts. I remember those 3 hours a day and I remember the drive and it was a grind. And and then I got a call. I got a call from a headhunter saying, Zach, I found the perfect job for you. I found the perfect leadership opportunity for you. It's a job that you're going to love. Sign me up. Go in and do the interview and Man, it, was, it, it looked perfect. And I got in, and the job that I thought I was going to do was actually not what I was ended up doing. I ended up making about 75 to 100 uh, cold calls a day for someone else. I thought I was being brought in to run the sales department and the sales uh, kind of team, and, and I ended up making the cold calls. I was three levels lower than what I thought I was going to be. Again, I thought that I had failed. Like, God, don't you see me trying to hustle? God, don't you see me trying to work? At least I don't have to drive an hour and a half to work. I only have to drive 45 minutes to work, so, so that's good. But, but I felt like I had failed. And I was carrying all this weight as I was hiding in the cave. And then Pastor Doug sits me down at Toast in Concord over some crab benedicts. And he asked me if I was interested in planting a church. And in that moment, it felt, it felt like God was whispering to me, mighty warrior. Mighty warrior. See, what Pastor Doug didn't know, and he's probably actually hearing this for the first time when he, when he watches this later. But what he didn't know in that moment was I was broken. What he didn't know in that moment is I felt like I could never be called into ministry Again, but I felt like God whispered through Pastor Doug, mighty warrior. I didn't have much strength, but I gave what I had. But then, then like many of us in the story, Gideon opens up his daggum mouth again. And he says this in verse 15, but Lord, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest and the whole tribe of Manasseh. And I'm the least in my entire family. All I hear Gideon saying is excuses. And, and when I took the job, I'm, I started having that conversation in my head. Well, I've never planted a church. I, I've never been a full-time pastor. I've never preached every single week on a Sunday. There, there's no way I can do it. And all I heard was excuse after excuse after excuse. How many times in your life are you just giving God excuses? Can, can I remind everyone in the room that God is bigger than any excuse that you could ever give him? He's bigger than all of your excuses. I'm going to ask the band to go ahead and come back up. There, there's a difference in having excuses versus living in our excuses. 
I'm going to give you three quick things, three excuses that will keep you from living as a mighty warrior. And the first one is this. It's what, it's what Gideon says. He says, I can't do it. God, God I can't do it. Now, hear the rawness in, in Gideon's response. Gideon says, I can't do it. G- Gideon doesn't say, God, I don't think you can't do it. What Gideon's, respo- Gideon's response is this. God, I just don't believe you can do it through me. How many times do we get there in our life? God, God I know you can show up. God, I know, I know you have the answer God, I know you see the need. God, I know you can meet the need of our community. God, God, I know what you're capable of. I just don't think you can do it through me. In fact, in that moment, you know what you're actually saying? You're saying that you're more powerful than God. You're saying that your fear and your failure is greater than God. You're saying that your inadequacy is greater than God. And if you say that, that means you're saying subsequently that you're greater than God. Pastor, I would never say that I'm greater than God. You don't have to say it, but your actions are living it. We, we live as if we're so far removed from God that God can't use us. We live as if I can't do it. The second thing that will keep you from living as a mighty warrior is this. When Gideon says, my clan is the weakest. God, I just don't have the resources. God, I just don't have the talent. God, I just don't have the pedigree. God, I can't, I can't do it. I, ain't nobody in my family ever been a pastor. There's no, God, there's no way. There's no way that I could be a pastor. There's no way that I could step up here and, and teach or preach every single Sunday. There's no way. There, there, don't you know the pedigree that I'm working with? Don't you know that I had the stuttering problem when I was in school and I had to go to class and blah, 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 blah? Like, don't you know that, that I failed my first Bible class that I ever took in college? Like, don't, don't you know that I had to repeat it? I made an A the second time. But, but don't, don't you know, like, I didn't, I didn't even know where the book of Matthew was. Like, who's Jonah? Like, how did you turn water into wine? I don't, know, I don't know these things. I don't have the resources. And the third thing that will keep you from being a mighty warrior is this response. There's someone better. There's someone more equipped. There's someone better than me. Listen, I can guarantee you there's pastors that are better than Zach Witt, but it's never about the levels of ability. It's never about your level of ability. It's about you being obedient to the call of God on your life. See, this is what I know is that comparison keeps more people from greatness than anything else. You're too busy watching others and focusing on God. See, the presence of God crushes the feeling of being overwhelmed. God will take something that was overwhelming you and it will empower you. Picking up in verse number 17, Gideon replied, if you are truly going to help me, show me a sign to prove that that it is really the Lord speaking to me. Don't go away until I come back and bring my offering to you. And he answered, I will stay here until you return. You paraphrase 19 through 21, Gideon leaves, he prepares a meal, and he comes back. Picking up in verse 21, then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the bread with the tip of the staff in his hand, and fire flamed up from the rock and consumed all that he had brought. 
and the angel of the Lord disappeared. Verse 22, one of my favorite verses in this story, when Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he cried out, Oh, sovereign Lord, I'm doomed. I've seen the angel of the Lord face to face. And the Lord replied, It's all right. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. I told you about the story of of me sitting down with some church planners this past week. I told you about West Asheville. I told you about Philadelphia a bit. I told you about China. And all those places are are getting churches. Now, Now piece that together with the story that I just told you. See, think about the beginning of the message and, and think about my, my life. What I know is stories change. What I know is lives change. But when we get to verse 22, see, some of us read scripture and, and we read it as if we exist outside of it, opposed to applying that scripture to our life. I have to apply verse 22 to my life. When Gideon realized, what about when Zach realized that it was the angel of the Lord? See, Gideon didn't know he was having a conversation with God. Gideon had no idea who he was talking to. He thought it was an angel. He didn't know it was God. But when Gideon realized, when Gideon realized the conversation he was having, his life radically changed. See, some of us don't have faith over fear because you don't realize who you've been talking to. Some of you are still living in fear. You're having a conversation with God, but you don't realize that it's the creator of the universe. In 2007, I felt called to ministry, and God used people to plant the seed. In 2017, God used Pastor Doug to grow that seed inside of me 10 years later. In 2021, the fruit of that seed is planting other seeds so other people can plant churches. Why? Why? Because I finally realized that regardless of my fear, regardless of my failure, regardless of my sins, regardless of my inadequacies, regardless of my stuttering problem, regardless of my lack of leadership, I realized for the first time in my life that I was actually talking to God himself. Listen, somebody don't clap for me. Think about this in your own context. Man, I hope you get a little excited the way I am. Somebody will catch this. You can have faith over fear. You can step out of the cave. You can stand up from your seat. You can move in the right direction. And you can drop your excuses. Because today, somebody will realize that they're talking to God himself. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I can't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop. Even when I don't see it, you are.
man, shame on me if I get more excited about the Braves winning than I do about what God's done in my life. Man, man, shame, shame on me if I don't celebrate the way God has moved in my life. I get excited. I get passionate. By the way, passion is okay in church. Like, you can make some noise. I mean, yeah, there you go. Hey, with every head bowed and every eye closed. Let me, let me teach a little bit for just a second. We believe that the most important decision you can ever make in your entire life is to step into a relationship with Jesus. Hey, if you're here, if you're here in this moment and you have a personal relationship with Jesus, let me coach you a little bit. If you have a personal relationship with Jesus, in this moment is where you start praying and interceding for others. In this moment is you start praying for the people that might not have a relationship with Jesus in the room. Let me talk to that group. Let me talk to the group that maybe you strayed from God a bit. Let, let me talk to the group that maybe you've never stepped into a relationship with Jesus. And instead of living a life of faith over fear, you're living a life of fear over faith. I'm not saying that following Jesus is easy because it's not. I think life might even get a little harder when you follow Jesus, but what I know is it's better. Maybe for the first time in your life, you realize that you've never fully committed your life to Jesus. Hey, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand. Why do we do that? Why do we do that? It, it, it's, just, it's just a moment of acknowledgement. It's just a moment that says, God, that's me. And then what we're going to do is we're going to say a prayer collectively. And prayer isn't the end all, be all. It's just the beginning. It's just the first step. But at least you won't be in the cave. So if you want to take that first step today, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand all across the room. Ready? One, two, three. Say, Pastor Esmond, step into a relationship with Jesus. If we could say this prayer collectively together. Can we say, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Help me to step out of the cave. I need you. Help me to live wide awake to your love fully alive to my purpose. In your name I pray. Amen. Hey, before we move, before we celebrate, hey, if that was you for the very first time, maybe you rededicated your life. Right outside these doors to the left, we have our wide awake and fully alive area. We believe that prayer is the first thing. That's not the last thing, right? We have some individuals that, that, that want to talk with you, give you some resources, and we'll follow up this week and, and actually talk to you about what it means to be discipled, what it means to follow Jesus. Hey, before anybody moves in the room, I got one more thing. One more thing. Maybe, maybe you're already following Jesus. Maybe you're already following Jesus. I'm going to end a little. I wouldn't plan on this, so y'all just kind of follow me. We'll play whatever. Don't get loud. Sometimes we get loud, sometimes we don't. I want to pray a prayer of blessing over anyone in the room feels like 
they've been living with fear over faith. Opposed to faith over fear. Okay, sometimes it's okay for us to close our eyes and bow our heads. But I, th- I think in the Western culture, in the Western church, we, we've lost, I can't say what I was going to say. Um, we, we're afraid to move. We're, we're afraid of what other people will think. We, we've lost grit. We, we've lost, like, fortitude. So, so for a moment, for a moment, if you've been living with fear over faith, you're saying, Pastor, I just need more faith in my life. I'm going to ask you to walk up to the front. If that's you all across this room, I'm just going to ask you to walk up to the front.